Thank you for downloading or podcasting this track. This recording has been remastered to provide the best sound possible given the audio environment of the original recording session. Mosaic Silver Spring is a faith community located just inside the Capitol Beltway in Montgomery County. For more information, please visit our website, www.mosaicsilverspring.org, and we'll see you in the neighborhood. Good morning, church. My name is Keller, and today I'll be doing the scripture reading for us. I'll be reading from 1 Thessalonians um, 1, verses 1 through 10. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. Join me in praying for our sermon today. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you um, that we can worship together online. Um, and in person as we did this morning. God, I pray um, that you would bless Dan as he brings your word to us. I pray that you would speak through him, that you would convict our hearts, that you would teach us about you um, and your Holy Spirit, Lord. Help us to become more familiar with the Holy Spirit and um, its work in our life and just how um, we can become better connected to you, Lord, and to one another. God, we just pray that you would... um, bless this season for us. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Keller, for leading us in the scripture reading. With the rise of social media platforms like Instagram or YouTube, one thing that has taken a noticeable shift is how people take vacations. Of course, uh, this is probably more relevant pre-pandemic or maybe uh, something you anticipate when uh, things open up fully again. Uh, But when you go to a touristy spot, uh, either here or abroad, uh, you might find that, yes, there are those who are focused, who are present, who are soaking in the experience for all it's worth. Yet, at the same time, you'll probably find at least one person uh, with their phone up, or the camera up the entire time. Whether they're vlogging or doing it for the gram, uh, you may find more people obsessed with capturing the experience in a picture or video uh, than they would stop to actually enjoy the said experience. Uh, That's not to say that you can't do both ever, 
but chances are if you're spending five minutes adjusting to the right lighting or position, if you're doing the right angle for the pro, uh, as you pose for a selfie, uh, chances are you might walk away with a memory card full of photos, uh, yet still feel detached from the experience as a whole. You can walk away from the experience and even forget about it as the data collects dust in a hard drive or in your phone memory. Now, I'm not here to pass judgment on those uh, who may like to take photos or videos. You know, I'm not making a judgment on how you enjoy your own vacation. You are free to enjoy it as you wish. But uh, I do want to make a note of how even the perfect photo uh, one that captures all of the details and the colors and the immensity of the experience, uh, how even that perfect photo does not translate to the full experience of that trip, of that e event, of that experience. In a, in a similar way, even the most uh, precise accurate accrual, accrual of biblical information, that does not necessarily translate to a life that is fully uh, transformed by the power of the Spirit. Yes, we should be studying the Word of God. Yes, it is God's truth for us to dig deep into, yet knowledge about God can still be nothing more than just information collecting dust in the memory cards of your mind. I'm here to say that the work of the Spirit involves not just showing us the facts about God and the truth of God, but the work of the Spirit is to prompt us, to move us into a response to that said truth. And we get a glimpse of that here in the book of Philippians, as Paul writes to the Thessalonian church. As Paul opens up his letter, he begins with a thanksgiving. See, he is affirming the fact that the Thessalonian church, for them, uh, the truth of God's grace and his plan of redemption is not just some information stored in their minds. It is a reality that they did respond to, that they did move from. You see, the city of Thessalonica actually has a history of worshiping the pantheon of Greco-Roman gods and goddesses. But after they heard the preaching of Paul and his companions, uh, they turned away from their past ways of worship and turned to follow the true and living God, even as Paul says in verse 9 and 10. And so Paul lifts up praise. He worships. He is thankful. But note that for all the great things that the Thessalonians do, Paul first focuses his attention on God. In verse 2, Paul thanks God for the work that he's done in the Thessalonians. In verses 4 and 5, he speaks of God's work. Uh, it says, we, uh, For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. 
In focusing his attention on God, Paul is bringing to light uh, the fact that God is the one who first engages with us. It was God that chose us, as he says in verse 4. It was God whom, through the Spirit, calls us to change. God engages with us and brings about a conviction through his Spirit. It's a persuasion. Uh, A convincing so that when we hear God's truth, we don't just consider it as one option among many which we could choose from or we could take it or leave it. Instead, when the Spirit prompts us, he calls us to respond with faith as the truth. We are called to respond with a labor of love and a steadfastness of hope, as Paul says. In verse 3. So, how does the Spirit bring about this conviction? How does he prompt us today to respond in faith, love, and hope? He does this in two ways. First, the Spirit works through our conscience. Spirit works through our conscience. Like I said earlier, the truth of God is not just like a photo in a hard drive that is collecting dust and forgotten until you need to bring it up again. It's more like having rocks in the bottom of your shoe. See, with each step you take, there is an active awareness, a discomfort that you need to address it right away before you can even take another step forward. This is especially the case when God works through our conscience to convict us of sin and our own shortcomings. You see, in one sense, we shouldn't be okay with straying from God's good and holy standards. So the Holy Spirit first works in us individually by pricking our own conscience. But yet, still, the Spirit works through community to bring about conviction. Because you see, oftentimes our backgrounds and upbringings might leave us uh, certain blind spots to our own sin. So in that, the Spirit works through the corporate church as a community, even here on Liturgy Live, uh, to fill out these blind spots. So uh, the question I have for you this morning is, uh, how connected are you here at Mosaic? See, I'm not talking so much about the frequency of your connections, how often you meet for whatever community group or uh, event happening. I'm talking about the depths of your connections. How many people do you really know? And how many people really know you? Are all of your interactions just small talk or just cracking jokes with one another? Uh, Maybe you have a tendency to keep people away at arm's length. Uh, Stay in your own lane. My personal life is meant to be personal for me only. Maybe, given the success-driven nature of our area, maybe you feel the pressure to appear as though you have it all together. That you don't have crazy fights with your best friend or your spouse that you don't yell at your kids, that you have a five-year plan and you know how to get from point A to point B. Essentially, maybe you are tempted, you are pressured to act as though you have your life fully together. 
What is it for you? What keeps you from, em- from engaging with one another honestly? What keeps you from opening up to one another? Though you might feel the temptation to close yourself off from the world, though you might feel the temptation to ignore those rocks in the bottom of your shoe, hear God's message of hope. God does not persuade you through an iron fist, but instead with sacrificial love. Consider what Paul says in verse 10. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Again, God does not persuade you through an iron fist, but with sacrificial love, because Jesus, the Son of God, died on the cross for you, for us. Jesus, the Son of God, rose again from the dead. And in this act of death and resurrection, Jesus delivers us from the wrath to come because the wrath that we deserved for our own sin and shortcomings, that wrath was poured out on him instead. You see, what separates the Christian life from just another self-help book or a 10-step improvement plan is that the focus is not on your discipline or, uh, on the other hand, the fear of failure driving you. The focus of the Christian life is not even based on our ability to conform to God's way of life. No. The Christian life is about first looking at the God who in his great love and wisdom came down onto this earth to save you and to restore the world cosmically through his death and resurrection. You see, he is the living and true God because even the grave was overcome. And Jesus' death and resurrection. He came down to make things right, and he will return to make that a reality, to bring about true rest and true peace. So again, the Christian life does not center around some threat of wrath, but instead it, center, it centers around a God so loving that he would save us through his own death, so that by faith we might be forgiven. May that truth, church, give you hope and freedom to share honestly. You are forgiven, accepted, and loved by the living and true God who makes good on his promises. So you no longer need to be swayed by the opinions of others. You no longer have to hide your failures from the world. You no longer have to project this ideal person. Instead, you have power to respond to God's call by faith. One natural consequence to listening to the Spirit's prompting, to listening to the truth of God's redemption and his grace offered to you, one natural consequence of that is that through our faith, we become witnesses to the world around us. See, just as much as the Spirit challenges us inwardly, as he pricks our conscience, as he puts those rocks in under our feet, as the Spirit convicts us through a community of faith, he also moves us outward. Paul celebrates this in verse 8 
as he says. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. For the Thessalonian church, as they were prompted by the Spirit to turn away from idols and turn to God, they then proclaimed that news through their life, through their character, and through the sharing of God's word that everyone around them in the surrounding cities knew about God and his grace. Paul did not need to even say anything because it was made known. So here is the challenge to us as a church this morning. How does your faith affect your neighbors, your coworkers, those in your immediate area that you meet on a regular basis? As we, as a church, value uh, place, as we seek to care for the good of the broader lower Montgomery County, how are we moved by the Spirit Share the good and share the good news of God through our word and deeds in our surrounding areas. May the God of abundant grace, who showers us with his love, who poured out his wrath on his son so that by faith we may be forgiven, may that God move us and challenge us to be engaged with our community as a result of this ever-present love and grace we receive through him. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. Just as Paul is thankful for the work you have done in the church of Thessalonica, and the work that you have done through redemptive history, God, as we look to you, may you fill us with your spirit Woo us so that we can't help but share this love with those around us. In your name we pray. Amen.